Amen. Hey, be seated. Well, good morning, 1045 Hazelwood Baptist Church. Wow, a few more of you, and then we're here at 8 this morning. Where were you at 8 this morning? You could have got the double dose, but that's all good. I'm Bob Feeler. I'm a friend of Pat Pinapento, and uh, I'm also a director of missions, or an associational mission strategist for Twin Rivers Baptist Association. It is a neighboring association to, to St. Louis Metro, and, uh, and so I normally, the, the, the old term is DOM, Director of Missions. They changed it a, a year or two or three years ago, ago. So Pat always says about me, DOM means dinner on me. And then I have a younger friend that's uh, who's a, who's also a DOM. He says it means dumb old man, and I think that's probably the, the more appropriate. Well, it's good to be back in North County. I was raised uh, about 15 miles from here, and either way, I was, I was born in Walnut Park, Walnut Park East, right? Uh, anybody buying property there these days? No, probably not. And then uh, we lived in Florissant. Uh, I grew up, I was a hawk, Hazelwood hawk. Ooh, eh, yeah, ooh, go hawks, all right, yeah. And then we always beat up on East and, and West at that time. But I think it's switched a little bit now. But then I did graduate from North County Tech. We rode the shark bus to school. So it was, you know, it was, it was always a good experience when you pull up to a stoplight and people will be making faces at you and you go, I'm just going to tech school. I'm just going to tech school. Don't make fun. But it is so good to be back. And I have so many friends that are here from, I, I grew up at Calvary Baptist Church in Jennings, then later merged with Oak Hill. Uh, and then uh, grew up there and had so many friends. And so I want to, I wanna, can I just take a personal moment? You say, well, you got the microphone, do what you want. I, would, I just want to say, say, hi, Karen Crone. Karen, Karen was probably one of my first babysitters as a kid. And then she was a youth leader, and we worked as, and, as student pastors together and did a lot of stuff in those days. And Mark Cody, way back there in the booth, we worked together and been friends for a long time. And where's Brad at? Brad, where are you hiding at? Brad was just here. Brad and Doretta? Ward? Oh, oh, he's back there. Okay. And uh, Brad and I were in a youth group together. And then the Bell Boys. You know the Bell Boys? Yeah. John and, and, uh, and Jenny, of course. And then Wayne and Sharon. And uh, uh, Kenny and I were in the youth group together. Kenny's a year younger than I am. But Wayne took me on my first real vacation. I had two stories about Wayne, okay? Uh, two stories about Wayne. When I, Wayne, they needed somebody to teach fifth and sixth grade boys Sunday school. People are just jumping up over, over themselves to teach fifth and sixth grade Sunday school boys. And if you knew us boys, and there was about 10 of us that were, they grew up in youth group together in the fifth and the sixth grade, you would have prayed differently for Wayne. But Wayne was my fifth and sixth grade Bible study teacher, and Wayne came to my house because it was expected that Sunday school teachers go to the homes of the students. And so Wayne was the only Sunday school teacher that I ever remember that came personally to my house. I don't imagine the conversation lasted real long, but, but Wayne came and made a visit. It made an impactful impact, made a great impact on my life. And uh, Wayne, thank you. Wayne took me on my first real vacation to the State Fair of Missouri. And I believe he and Sharon are going down here in a couple of days, a couple of weeks, something soon like that, and, and spending some time down there. So that's great. 
And then I have two more special people that I'd like to recognize. They were church members of mine for eight years. Ron and Christy Gray, they're right there in the center of the middle. They, they go, oh, don't be, don't be recognized. But they're very sweet, gracious, godly people that, that love me, and, and, and we served together for eight years in St. Charles County. Well, that's enough about me. Let's talk about you for a minute, okay? Good. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4. As I said, I grew up in North County. I became a Christian at the age of 15 in my bedroom. I was praying and reading the gospel of John, John chapter 3, and I understood that I was broken and needed Jesus, that I needed to be born again. And I was born again right there in my bedroom. But the work of many others that poured into my life through those 15 years, 15 very probably troubled years, and I'll talk to you more about how God saved me but, and his, his work in my heart. But I want to look at a passage of Scripture today. It's probably very familiar to some of you. It's the passage and the story of the Samaritan woman or the woman at the well. And I've entitled the sermon, uh, a Divine Encounter with a Damaged Person. Divine Encounter with a Damaged Person. Begin reading in verse 1. When Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but it was his disciples were. He left. Excuse me, I left my contact out this morning. I'm going to use the big screen. How's that? He left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he passed through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the field of Jacob, given to his son, Joseph. And Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And a Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. And, and where, do you, where are you going to get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty and have to come to draw water. And Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you have right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you said is true. And the woman said, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say Jerusalem is a place that we ought to worship. And Jesus said, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming, and neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. 
And the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. He's called the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I am who speak to you, am he. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this divine encounter in which a life was transformed. Father, we pray for that same miracle-working power, the transformation power of the Holy Spirit of God that works through the Word of God, transformed through the Son of God. And so, Lord, we pray if there's someone here today that's, that's burdened, that's heavy, that's parched, that's dry, that's thirsty, that's looking for answers in life and has no solution yet been found for them, that they would come to know Jesus, worship Jesus, give their life and heart to Jesus. Father, for those that are here that have been in your service, but their, their bucket leaks, God, we pray for a fresh filling. We praise you that you meet us where we are as we worship together. We ask that you would just bless our time together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Jesus was experiencing pressure. Have you ever experienced any pressure in your life? Had a problem that's kind of driving? You're going to help me this morning, aren't you, sister? I know. You ever have a problem that's going to drive you towards something or maybe drive you away from something? Jim Berg, in his book, Changed into His Image, writes that sometimes God puts us in hot water just like a tea bag, to release what's inside of us to flavor the water. Now, sometimes a tea bag can sit in the water too long, and it gets kind of yucky. You can still make tea out of it, but it becomes bitter, right? And so sometimes we get in hot water, and it's the natural position of our heart just to be kind of become bitter, this is hard. Stuff's going on. It's hard. And I don't know why I'm feeling these kinds of pressure. When God puts you in hot water, you need to ask the first question, why am I here? And who is it around me that needs a word from me? Because sometimes God pressures you and puts you in places that you may not feel comfortable for his glory and for his purposes. That's what's happening to Jesus. Now, Jesus was the Son of God, the most the powerful Son of God. He could control the situation. No pressure was too much for him. But the Bible tells us many times Jesus practiced withdrawing from, specifically, the Pharisees because of the pressure they were putting on him. And their ultimate goal was to kill him. But it was not his time. And as he was experiencing pressure, as we find, that Jesus must go through Samaria. Now, Samaria was north of Jerusalem, and north of Samaria was Galilee, his home. Now, Jews could go one of two ways when they wanted to go to Samaria. Normally, they would not take the direct route, which was the shortest route, and go straight through Samaria on it because the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. Matter of fact, they were cousins, but the, the, the northern ten tribes that were carried off into Assyria... Many of that were the few that were left behind intermarried with the people of the land, the Canaanites, and they were considered half breeds. And the Pharisees practiced what R.C. Sproul called salvation by segregation. Stay away from everybody bad, and specifically the Samaritans, right? And so when Jesus told the, the story 
of the parable of the good Samaritan, that would have been like saying a good Al-Qaeda member to the Pharisees. Get the picture? Samaritans were hated by the Jews. And the Jews pretty much the same way towards them. So there's no love lost. Now Jesus rests at the well. The Bible tells us that he goes there. He's rest at the well. It's the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day. And his disciples were going off and buying some food. Because that's what the disciples were concerned about. Three things. Where are we going to eat? What are we going to eat? Where are we going to sleep? And who's the greatest disciple? Remember that? Who can sit your right hand, Jesus? And they're always asking these kinds of questions. And so they're off getting food because that was one of their jobs, right? Or one of their passions. And Jesus is left alone, okay? And while he's sitting there, along comes someone that needed to be satisfied, a woman. And we find her story there. But one of the things that, that, that you and I must understand and discover, that, that in our lives, God allows pressure in our lives. And it is used for us to pursue God in a greater way and a purpose for our lives. So don't always see the problems of your life as just a problem, but it's an opportunity in which the Lord is going to cause you to bump up against somebody else that needs the love of Jesus. Now, I'm not always looking for an opportunity to love on somebody when I'm under pressure because I'm thinking about me, right? But Jesus wasn't thinking about himself. He was thinking about this woman. And he knew ahead of time, because he was the son of God, that she was going to come by. And what time did she come by? The middle of the day. The heat of the day. And she came alone. And there's probably obvious reasons for that. She was probably scorned by the other women folk in town. Most of them who would come out early in the morning, they would go in groups because it was safe for them to do that. But here she was all by herself. Because she is about to have a divine encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. These are some significant building blocks that are about to occur in this story. And Jesus begins to address her greatest need. You see, she was a parched person. She was dry, thirsty, longing for a love relationship, but always losing out. To losers. You see, there are people all over our world that are looking for relationship and they think they're going to find everything in their another person. You complete me. No, they don't. No other human being has that much ability to complete you. And besides, well, okay, we won't start out with what your deficits are, but anyways, nobody else has got enough to overcome my deficits. Now, I know we become one in marriage, but my wife can't be my everything because Jesus is my everything. And if Jesus is my everything, I'm a whole lot better husband to my wife because he's everything. And she had looked for love in all the wrong places. She was thirsty. She was weary. She was dry. She was lonely. The Samaritans seemed to live in a continual state of uncleanness and untouchable. And all of a sudden, Jesus begins to speak to her. 
Give me a drink. Can you imagine how that sounded to her ears? There he is, an old Jewish guy, asking me for a drink. What, do I have servant written across my head? Am I a slave that I should have to get him a drink? He's a Jew, and they don't normally have anything to do with us. How is it, he says there in verse 9, how is it that, that you, a Jew, ask or drink from me, the Samaritan woman? For you Jews do not associate with us Samaritans. Spelled it right out. See something? Say something, right? She just saw it and she said it. You guys don't normally connect with us, and all of a sudden you're asking me for water. What's the background? What's her perspective? She's probably been abused by men before and used by men, and she thought this was just one other guy that was going to come into her life and cause pain and trouble and then leave expectedly. She wasn't tolerating much of that, right? She was thirsty. Do you know anybody like this? Parched, dry, thirsty, weary, suspicious, guarded, always afraid somebody was going to get over on them. You don't have to look very far. You may be here today. You said, man, this is my last stop. I'm going to give HBC one more chance. I'm going to give the Lord one more chance. But I'm just, I'm just about done. Can you feel it with her? She's just about done. Not only is she a parched person, she is a pursued person. She's a pursued person. I would imagine... We won't know till we get to heaven, but I would imagine she was a pretty lady. After all, she had attracted five men, and a man that she was living with now was not her husband. She was a serial adulterer. Boy, you talk about it, strikes against you. Multiple marriages, Samaritan woman, and you're living with the guy now. A lot of strikes against her. Right? Probably why she showed up in the middle of the day. The other women were maybe intimidated or afraid of her because of her history and her background. Men had had pursued her all of her life. She has a woman who gains a new audience with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say, make a statement here that I, I believe is true. I believe that Jesus has done more to raise and elevate the status of women than any other human being that's ever lived. Jesus, we're friends with women. Mary Martha, other women, the other Marys. Jesus engaged women. He, he was uh, challenging to them, encouraging to them to, to, to gain and move forward in their walk with him and through him. You see, Jesus, ladies, is the greatest liberator of women. Let me, let me just describe for you the situation of women in Jesus' day. 
women were property. And if you were not connected to a man, you were fair game for abuse. Read the book of Ruth. The concern for her was that she was loosely connected without a husband. And Boaz becomes her kinsman redeemer. That if you were without a man, you could easily be and were often abused by men. Because women were not treated. And the only thing, to be worse, the only thing worse than being a woman was to be a, to be a Gentile. And maybe Gentile was even a little higher than a woman in some cases. I don't say that to demean you because I have two daughters and a lovely wife, and I believe that women should be cherished and loved and cared for, and they should be pursued in the right way. And Jesus was pursuing her in the right way, not for selfish reasons, but for the glory of God reasons. Ladies, the Lord loves you. And you are our sisters in Christ and you should be valued and treated and loved and cared for and treated that way. And if you're dating a guy or you're looking at a guy that doesn't treat you that way, dump the loser. Can we talk? Because there's some young people here. If you're dating a young man and he does not have reliable transportation and he wants to borrow your car to get back and forth... Right? Loser. Lose him. Ladies, if the young man that you're dating does not take his reliable transportation and drive to his job reliably and regularly, lose him. And he forgot to pay his last month's rent and he wants to move in with you and help you share expenses? Loser. Don't be pursued by a guy like that. But if a guy pursues you and he loves Jesus and he goes to church with you, doesn't just show up on special days, but he goes to church with you and he's in Bible study, might be a keeper. Run it by a couple of godly men and say, hey, check this guy out and check him out. Right? You see, Jesus pursued her for the purposes of God's glory. Jesus pursues us for the purpose of God's glory. So if you have received the kindness of the wooing of God's Spirit and the kindness of the Spirit of God drawing you to Himself, it is the work of God and His pursuit of you and the calling of you. You didn't figure it out by yourself. Jesus called you. We're going to sing that song in just a few minutes. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to Him. And she did. The best part of the story is what happens next is that, first of all, she gets an understanding and clarity about what it means to be a true follower of Jesus. The woman said, I see that you are a prophet. Oh, he goes, um, let's talk about what it means. Let's talk about religious things. Let's talk about worship. You Jews say it's inappropriate to worship in Jerusalem. And we say it's appropriate for us to worship at this place here that Joseph, our father, gave us at this well and his, his children and his cattle drank at. It's about a place. By the way, can I say something to your church? 
You have the most clean, beautiful church. I'm in a lot of churches. I preach in a lot. Your building is immaculate. I was looking for dirt and couldn't find it. I mean, it's crazy. Your custodial staff does great. Can I steal them away? I mean, I'd love to have them. Yeah. But as clean as this place is, building's not going to save you. All right? Now, let me comment on the ministry that you guys are doing here in North County. You have been a beacon for a long time in North County, Hazelwood Baptist Church. And your continued missions efforts and all that God is doing to you. Praise God. I'm excited for your next pastor that he's going to come into a group of people like this. But it's not about this place. We don't worship buildings. Oh, this is a great building. We don't worship the building. And so she was trying to make place the issue. Jesus confronts that. Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither in, on this mountain nor in Jesus. It's not a place. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here that when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people for them. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus said, truth, the word of God, the scripture, the inspired scriptures, is the means of worship. Read them, know them, study them, memorize them, impart them to others. Worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Now, interesting thing happens. Remember when Jesus asked her to draw him some water. She said, sir, and he begins to tell her that he could give her life-giving water that would well up in her, flowing forth. She said, you don't have a bucket. You don't have a bucket. How How can you get this living water? Practical question, good question. All of us have buckets. If you're a Christian, if you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. It's your transformation, it's your birth, it's your regeneration. The Holy Spirit resides and lives in you and will never leave. But we leak. Our buckets go from being full, some of the kids coming back from mission trip, full buckets. Next week, maybe a little less. Camp. Sometimes we have these mountaintop experiences where our bucket is full of joy, but then sometimes we get a little pressure, a little struggle, and we leak. Because we leak, we need constant filling. Filling and fueling. And Jesus said to her, I don't have a bucket because I don't need a bucket because I'm full of the Spirit and I'm full of the truth. I'm the embodiment of Spirit and truth right before you. Just believe my words. And the same thing's true for us. We just need to believe his words. And so Jesus said to her that a day is coming when there would be the Spirit of God would well up in you like living water. Ron Gray and I took a bunch of kids to Merrimack State Park, Merrimack Spring State Park, St. James. You ever been there? I just like to go walk around that big old 
it's just a mammoth. I don't know, it's millions of gallons of water bubble up out of there every day. And I think it's the beginning genesis of the Merrimack River, okay? And it's just beautiful. And the biggest trout, I just want to take my fishing pole over there for five minutes and pull out some of the monster trout. But the well, it's just, it's a continuous flow of water that just bubbles up and bubbles out and flows out down into the stream. Jesus is saying, the well of God's spirit in you is greater than that. Flooding your soul. John Bell was my first youth pastor. And probably the first five years I was a youth pastor, I, I ran John Bell's program. We did puppets. We did everything that, everything that I did as a kid. We, I, I just did what John did. And we were successful. God was kind. And uh, one of the things that I struggled, John was guiding me through this calling. He could see God's hand all over me and God's calling me. And I said, you know, God, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do anything. I'll be a Christian millionaire. I'll, I'll be a deacon that makes millions of dollars. But please, God, please, God, please, whatever you do, don't make me a preacher. Back in the 70s, preacher wore, preachers wore leisure suits. Remember them things? I mean, Google it, kids. Google leisure suits. They were hideous. And then they were yellow and green and ugly. And, but they stayed permanently pressed. You could wad them up in your car and pull them out, and they looked great. And I said, God, please don't make me a preacher. But when I yielded and surrendered and said, God, just like we sung this morning, all of me, to all of you. God gave me overflowing joy 45 years ago that has never left, sister, never left. That's the kind of joy we're talking about. Not serving Jesus begrudgingly because I have to get in there and do that stuff. You get to serve Jesus. I get to preach Sunday after Sunday, all over Missouri. Sometimes I get to go to Montana. I'm going to preach there in a couple weeks. You know, it's a great gig. Preaching Jesus and telling them about how Jesus can make a difference in your life. And so Jesus met this and, and pursued this person and this woman, pursued her for the glory of God, that she would have overwhelming joy. Was she to keep the joy or to spread the joy? The answer is spread it. Good, you've read the book because you know what happens next. Not only was she a, a pursued person, she was a peace-filled person. Listen to verse 29. Now many Samaritans from the town believed him because of what the woman said when she testified, he told me everything I ever did. And so when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two more days. Now, we need to back up for just a moment. Where were the disciples when all this spiritual work was going on? Well, they went into town to buy some chip and dip because they were sent ahead to get some food. Now, maybe, and I'm trying to figure out, where do you go buy food for the king of kings and lord of lords? Burger King? right? And so they probably brought back an impossible burger for him. And then Jesus said, you know, 
guys, I'm Jewish, I'm not vegan, what's up with this, you know? Now, one guy in the early service said, you know, he, he talked to someone at Burger King one time, and they said, yes, we take all of our grain, and we force it together, and make a burger out of it, it tastes just like beef. And he says, isn't that what a cow does? I said, yeah. We feed the corn in, we get the hamburger out. I'm saying, that's the same process. So, Impossible Burgers are way overrated. So people have wondered what it was, and their great study is going into what it was that Jesus, the disciples brought back for Jesus to eat. And I've done much research on this, and I've come to this conclusion that it was a Whopper with extra cheese. Are you buying my story? If you are, some of you are going to get that later. Whopper with extra cheese, I get it. Some of you... May not get it till later. Doesn't matter. When Jesus, they showed up and the disciples were going, and Jesus said, I've got food to eat that, 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 that you don't understand. They're going, did you guys slip Jesus on an impossible burger? Who fed Jesus? It doesn't matter. Jesus looked up and he saw the fields that were white unto harvest. We Baptists, we are into our food. Amen. You show me a Baptist event, I'll show you a potluck dinner, right? I've, benefit, I, I've benefited from a few Baptist meals. Watch this, though. Jesus' focus is on the people, white unto harvest, not on his belly. So opportunities should come to you often when you have opportunity and when you encounter people that need to hear the gospel, life-changing gospel message. Sometimes it's be as simple as this. Let me just give you some practical tips where the fields are white on. People will tell you stuff about themselves if you just talk to them. I am amazed in this. I mean, people tell me stuff. I just, hey, I'm Bob, how are you? And then they start talking. So I, I have this practice when I go out. To, I eat in restaurants a lot with, with pastors and different guys. And so, so when we, be, we get ready to order our food, I'll usually say to the waitress this. In just a few moments, we're going to pray over our food. Is there anything that we could pray for you about today? Now, sometimes, no, nope, I'm good. I'm good. Nope, nope, nope. You're, you're creepy Christians. I'm going to take your order and get out of here. You know, I get that. But on those rare occasions, there are people that will begin to share their hurts. Would you pray for my mom? She's sick. Or would you pray for my kid? Or, you know, just pray for me. I'm, I'm pulling a double today. And a lot of people pulling doubles, right, in this economy. A lot of people working a lot of hours, right? Take that opportunity. When people are feeling pressured, as they are, to listen. People will talk about themselves if you ask them about themselves, won't they? Uh, when it was 103 here last week, I was at Ormond Beach. It was 90 degrees with a breeze, right? So my wife and I, I didn't tell you about my wife and I. My, my wife and I have been married 41 years. She's been putting up with me a long time, honey. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and we have five children, and we have six grandchildren. And our youngest baby is 20 years old. She's going to be 21 in December. And so this year, we, she went away to college, and we enjoyed... For the first time in 37 years, empty nest. You know what I'm talking about? What do you want for dinner? I don't know. You want to eat out? Sure, let's go. Hey, uh, it's Tuesday night. 
Want to do date night? Yes. Yeah. Tuesday night? Well, yeah, sure, we can do what we want. We're, we ain't got nobody. The dog, he, yeah, he eats and goes away. Tuesday night, a couple weeks ago, we went to see Maverick Top Gun. Yeah, I know, right? Rides and motorcycles, buzzes the tower, all the cheesy stuff from the first movie, right? And then they, they do a full screenshot of Tom Hanks' head, right? Hair's black and dark. God's been highlighting my hair the last couple years, and it ain't black and dark. He's my age. He's 60, 61. And I just looked at him, and I go, I hate you. But it was a great night besides that. I say all that to say in the kindness of God, he gives you joy. You serve him. You find that person that you can share your life and do ministry with. The Lord gives extended joy. And so Jesus begins to look out over the field and he sees all those joyless people who were Samaritans, who were half-breeds, who were considered unworthy, whose buckets were empty, and he had compassion for them. Church, we need to have compassion for the empty, bucketed people around us and quit complaining about them. So let me ask you three questions, and then I want to talk about three identities, and then we're going to go home. First question, what is in your bucket? What are you filling your life full of? Sports, sports knowledge, how the Cardinals doing? Any Cubs fans here? Good. Is that a hand? Bless your heart. Ask Mark Cody what bless your hearts means after the church, and we'll, he'll explain it to you. Watch this. Whatever we try to fill our bucket with, we cannot be overwhelmed by what comes out of our life. Whatever you, whatever, garbage in, garbage out, right? Whatever you're filling your mind with, whatever you're filling your heart with, whatever you're filling your life with, what is in your bucket? And is your bucket empty? Second question, is your bucket leaking? Of course it is. It is always leaking, and you need to come back to the Lord for fresh fillings every day. You can't count on camp fillings, kids. You can't count on mission trip filling to keep you through the school year. When it gets tough in your junior year, your senior year, you can't count on past fillings. You've got to have fresh fillings, often fillings. Moment by moment, Jesus, I need you. You see, this woman was peace-filled because she was, for the first time, accepted and believed and acknowledged by her community. Wow. What a testimony. She was, all of a sudden, the transformative agent in her town. Is that said of you? Are you the transformative agent at your workplace? Do people look at you and go, hey, they got joy? And they go, oh, yeah. There's a lot of grumpy Christians out there, and it's because they have leaking buckets and because they don't spend time being filled by the Spirit of God. Last question. Is your bucket full? Now talk about your bucket list. Your bucket is your bucket full? All right. 
Let's talk about three healthy identities that we can learn from this passage. This is application, three healthy identities that we can learn from what happened to the woman at the well and everybody in that town. They came out and they worshiped Jesus. They hung on every word he said and they said, please stay two more days. Some of you are going, I wish he'd shut up. I can't stand it for two more minutes. Sometimes we lack, by the way, the praise and worship team, spot on. Praise God. It was good this morning. And if that didn't light a fire in your heart, your wood's wet. You need Jesus to dry you out a little bit, put a little accelerant on you. It's okay. Worshiping Christ is our identity. It is what we are created to do in Christ. We are to be worshipers of Him. In everything we do, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Not for the glory of Bob or anybody else. Put your name there. We were created to give glory back to our risen King, and He deserves it, and He's better. we are better served when we do that. Number two. She was identifying as the family of God. All of a sudden, she went from an outsider to an insider with really good news. There's a guy out there that told me everything I've ever done. Can this be the Messiah? Yes. Is this the one we're looking for? Yes. Is this the one we should trust? Yes. She became part of the family. Church, we need to do a better job at the one another's. The Bible says we are to pray for one another. We are to encourage one another. We are to lift up one another. We act like we are able to do all this stuff on our own. I'm an individual. I got this thing under control. I don't need help from anybody. Nope. It's a family job. We need one another. I know in America we're told that we can do everything by ourselves, but we can't. We need people. You need brothers and sisters in your life that you can call up at any moment and say, I'm struggling. My bucket is zero. My bucket is negative zero. It's way down. And I need some encouragement. You got any words for me? That's why you're a worshiper, because if you're a worshiper, you got a word for somebody that when they're down, you got the word. Well, you know, I was just reading in my Bible this morning. How refreshing is that, right? When somebody says, I just read this. Maybe this is a word for you. I thought it was for me, but it must be for you because it sounds just like what you need. That's how our God works. Sends Jesus to Samaria. Just so happens he goes through Samaria instead of going around the other way that everybody else went. He worked the hard way under pressure. Sometimes God puts you under pressure to cause you to call upon him and stop depending upon yourself. Well, I was raised to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Well, that ain't biblical. You and I are dependent upon others. So we identify as worshipers and families. And finally, and I don't think I have to tell this church this one, but, but she was a missionary. You guys are sending out missionaries all. I mean, I, I just want to come over and hear your announcements just to hear about all the places that you're going. Amen? 
Press on, press out, keep it up, keep going. Do more, speak. Now here's the last point. What did she do? Did she just go back into the community and adjust her lifestyle and wait for everybody to understand that something different had happened to her? And wait for them to ask her, oh, woman of the well, you totally act different than you did just 24 hours ago. Yes, observe my life. Observe me. I figured some things out. No. She went back and she used words. She spoke words. It is not enough just to live our good life out before people and not tell them that Jesus transformed us and made us different. Matter of fact, that's downright adultery. Elevating yourself to a point and purpose of worship above the Lord who saved you. Ooh, be careful. So she identified as a worshiper, part of the family of God, and a missionary. So what's all that got to do with you? Well, if you take a shotgun blast at an audience this big, surely you're going to hit somebody. But some things kind of zero right in. This kind of hit to the point. And the Lord has probably spoken to you in a specific way today that about a specific matter. And you know what that is. Some of you have been struggling with deciding to join this church. You say, well, you know what? I'll wait till they get that new pastor. And when he comes, and if he's a good guy, maybe I'll join. But I'll just keep kind of keeping my options open. I can't think of a better church in North County for you to be a part of if you're, not, if you're sitting on the fence. Today would be the day to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to get serious about being part of the family. I want to get involved in missions. I want to get going serving Jesus and worshiping in this place because it's hopping on 1045. Not 8 o'clock's good too, but 1045 is hopping. Amen. Especially for you in the front row. Watch this. Second thing. You say, hey, I'm a parched person. I'm dry. I, I, I know I, I, I've, been, I've been pursuing a lot of interests and I've been pursued by a lot of interests and none of those interests are filling my bucket. My bucket's empty. You need Jesus. You need to repent of your sin because he knows all that you've done anyways because he's God. You can't fool him. You can't hide. Just say, I admit. I admit I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay my sin debt. And I now confess him as Lord and Savior. ABC. Admit, believe, confess. Trust Jesus. Don't leave here without Jesus. And if you do leave here without Jesus, before you put your head on the pillow tonight, pray and ask Christ to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Read John chapter 3, three times. And then pray to Jesus and say, I must be born again. And finally, you're just going, man, Bob, I'm weary. Pressures of life have been hitting me hard. And I'm tempted to be cynical and negative and critical. Oh. There's so much joy in following Jesus. He gives you joy unspeakable, welling up in your life. Oh, Christian, you ain't got nothing to complain about. Trust Jesus. We're going to pray. Father, thank you for these, these moments we've shared together. 
Thank you for 1045 at Hazelwood Baptist Church and the opportunity to speak to these saints about the glorious kingdom that you purposed for us. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would draw men and women unto yourself this morning. If there's someone here that's never put their trust in you, Lord, right now, draw them to the point of repentance and faith. God, if there are people here today just weary, life's hard, re-engage them with the love of Christ that drew them first to you. Pursue them, Lord, with that holy love. Lord, if there's others that are considering church membership or believers' baptism because they put their trust in Christ, but they've delayed doing that, Today, let there be a part, let them be a part of the fellowship and became, become a part of the kingdom work that's going on here. And we ask these things for your precious name and for your sake. Amen.